Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, hello. This is Susan Pinkney, your host of the Southern Bell of Beverly Hills. One, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? This week's episode is My Adventures in Shondaland. Shortly after moving to Beverly Hills, and I was working for the production company that did programs on PBS as well as uh, AM radio talk show, I was given tickets for a Senator Clinton fundraiser when she was first running for president. This was back in the election cycle when it was Senator Clinton. I'm saying Senator because she was a Senator at that time. And Senator Obama were both candidates for the Democratic nominee. So I was given tickets for this fundraiser. And this was before we knew that Barack Obama could actually win. And of course, everybody loves a winner. You have to support who you think can actually win the election. So there were many, 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 many powerful, strong celebrities at this fundraiser putting all of their effort and money and time and attention into trying to help Senator Clinton get the Democratic nomination. And first of all, let me just say this party was in Lafayette Square, right off of Crenshaw Boulevard. If you drive down Crenshaw Boulevard, you probably don't even notice Lafayette Square. I would have never even noticed that it was there and that it existed had it not been for this fundraiser. Beautiful homes. They were built in like 1913 from the oil wealth that came into the area. And originally, of course, these were homes owned by um, wealthy white Americans. And Once it became illegal to keep the Blacks out of the area, Black people took over this neighborhood with these gigantic, beautiful, old homes. And that's pretty much how it remains today. There are a few white families who are, you know, starting to move into that area. But for the most part, it's just this really affluent black neighborhood right off of Crenshaw. You can't get there from Crenshaw because they don't want commuter traffic going through their neighborhood, but it's right off of Crenshaw. Anyway, so this fundraiser was there. You name it, they were in attendance. It was during the day. It was a backyard garden party type theme. I think Senator Clinton was supposed to arrive a lot sooner than she did. I'm sure she probably had several appearances to make that day. And it turned into more of a day-night affair, but originally I think it was supposed to be more like a garden party. So I'm in the backyard. I see people that I've seen on television since I was a toddler probably, like Telma Hopkins, people from the show that she was on at that time, Regina King, and Malcolm Jamal Warner. So all these people that I recognize and seen for many years from many different television programs. It was interesting, of course, for me, having just moved to the area. And I'm sure I was texting my family, letting them know who I was seeing as I was seeing them. When it 
came time for me to grab a little snack, I went over to one of the high top tables where there was a young woman. I'm going to say she appeared to be my age or younger. And I appear a lot younger than I am. So I thought she was super young. She was talking to me about, you know, what I did in town. I was talking to her about what she did in town. She told me that she was working at ABC as a producer. And at the time, I had just discovered it was this Bill Cosby program over at USC. You almost had to audition to be a part of it. You had to write a spec script. And then you could be in this writing program. So I was telling her about this writing program over at USC. She interjected and said, oh, I went to USC. And I was like, oh, okay. And I continued to, doing my finger in quotes, help her with ways that she could become a writer in town. She was very polite and sweet and kind and lovely. And then a young actress walked over, one that I had recognized from Grey's Anatomy. She introduced herself as Chandra Wilson. And I said, hi, and gave her my name. And I turned to introduce her to my new friend that I met over at the table. And she said, oh, I know her. And I said, oh, she goes, yeah, she's a producer on my show. And I said, oh yeah, she told me, okay, so you know who she is. And she kind of giggled and said, yeah, I know who she is. So I continue to have a you know, brief conversation with my two new buddies. I remember even doing the play on words because I thought their names sounded so similar. And I was like, wait a minute, your name is Chandra? And then she goes, yeah. I'm Shonda. And I said, oh, okay. Guys, just in case you're wondering, I know exactly what my feet taste like because they've been in my mouth so many times. I, I know the taste. But that day, I didn't get it. It took me weeks, maybe even months, perhaps even a year later to figure out that the producer who worked on Grey's Anatomy that was at that table with me and Chandra Wilson, whose name sounded similar to Chandra because her name was Shonda, was the Shonda Rhimes. Since then, of course, my experience with her has been in the capacity of working on one of her shows for her. I am a huge fan of Miss Shonda Rhimes for many different reasons. But one of the biggest reasons that I have so much respect for her, not only because she worked hard and she took many different jobs and basically put her foot down and, and decided what she was going to do with her life and made it happen. Not because, you know, she didn't fail and then take the failure and run away with her tail between her legs. She's the kind of person who persevered not because things were handed to her or easy, but because she knew her value, she knew her worth, and she worked hard and she made it happen. And you have to respect a person like that. Additionally, her shows represent how the world should be. You know, I would love to throw in like John Lennon's Imagine right here because if you look at the character and the racial 
makeup of her shows, it's not about what color someone is, what nationality, what ethnicity, what religion. None of those things really matter. They only matter because they don't matter. So you have leads of all different races, all different colors. You have men, women doing jobs that are typical and traditional of males and females versus, it, she just mixes it up. Whoever is the best person for a part gets the part. Whoever is the best person for that role gets the role. And that's just it. I'm not, no one, and people who say, oh, I'm colorblind, come on, let's get real. Unless you are legitimately blind, you're not colorblind. We see color, it's okay. Our differences make us who we are. Our differences in our experiences make us unique and interesting. It's okay to see color. The difference is she hires people based on their ability and their merit versus what society says that a certain role should be. And I have been blessed so many times to have like the bird's eye view, the kind of fly on the wall opportunity to work on her shows. In case you're not familiar with Ms. Shonda Rhimes, uh, you know, she is the creator, of course, of Grey's Anatomy, How to Get Away with Murder, Scandal, Station 19. She had some other shows, Private Practice, Off the Map, The Catch, a few others. Of course, now she has this amazing deal with Netflix. Her shows that were ABC shows are now being showed on Netflix. And I think there's also some type of development deal there too. I've had the opportunity to see how it works in the mix on her shows, so to speak. One of my favorite memories from working on one of her shows, I have a ton, but one of my favorites would have to be What's Meant to Be Happens, I think. I had planned a trip to Arizona to see spring training one year. And at the very last minute, my plans changed and I did not go to Arizona to see spring training. And had I gone, I would have missed the call when I got a call season three of Scandal asking if I could work as a stand-in. Of course, because I was in town, I went to work as a stand-in on Scandal. I did that for a couple episodes and eventually that same year went back to Virginia to work in production doing casting on a Discovery Network show. So my memories of working on Scandal as a stand-in were just that, it was just memories. So then in 2017, I came back to California and basically was living off of the money that I earned from the show I worked on in Virginia and needed to make money. So of course, what do you do? Go back to, you know, the jobs that you can just kind of walk on set for. So I was doing background work on the set of Scandal one day, the final season, and I noticed a young lady kind of looking at me and speaking to one of her colleagues. And then she walked out of the room and she came back and, and looked at me again. And then she brought two more people in with her and they looked at me and they talked a little more. And I was sure that they were looking at me and talking about me. But of course, I'm like, okay, what's happening here? So eventually she walked over and asked, 
I could come with her so that I could stand in. So although I had worked as a stand-in on the show season three of Scandal, when I came back to town in 2017, I was selected out of a group of people who were working a, a restaurant scene to work as Miss Olivia Pope's stand-in again by someone who I'm not even sure if she worked on the show in season three, but at any rate, she definitely did not recognize me as someone who had stood in for her previously. And she came and picked me out of a crowd to work as her stand-in again. So I was back in the mix season seven. And working as her stand-in gave me opportunities to use my acting chops. For example, Mr. Jeff Perry, who played Cyrus Bean, he had an amazingly powerful dramatic scene with Miss Kate Burton's character, Sally Langston. And in the scene, he's watching her on television reveal that there was a secret part of the United States government. And this secret part of the government, obviously was not ever supposed to be exposed. And she was on national television talking about it on the show. And so he had to react to what she was saying. They do what they call off-camera dialogue. With off-camera dialogue, they select someone to read opposite the character while they're acting so that they have something to act against. This particular day, Jeff Perry was doing his scene when Sally Langston was telling the world about this secret part of the government I was reading Sally Langston's part. Her character has like a Southern accent and she, you know, very syrupy Southern accent. And Jeff Perry is just this consummate professional, like somebody that you would dream of working in a scene with. So as I'm reading her part and he's reacting to me, what I'm saying, I felt myself getting a little bit more Southern each time I did it. I felt myself getting a little bit more comfortable. I almost became shy and I almost held back. And I heard one of the ADs ask if he still needed me in the room or if he wanted to just do it by himself. And he was like, no, 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 I want her, I need her. To me, that was like one of the like wildest, most amazing moments doing off-camera dialogue because this guy, his imagination alone could have let him do that by himself. But the fact that he was actually acting off of the way that I was delivering it, that was incredible. I've had experiences like that with Candy Alexander. She played Olivia's mother and I'm doing the phone calls while she's acting. There was a, a huge scene where she was breaking up. Uh, Olivia Pope was breaking up with her mother, basically telling her that she didn't need her to pretend anymore. Uh, she didn't need her to pretend to be a mom because she never was. And I was, of course, reading Olivia Pope's part over the phone while Candy Alexander was reacting to her daughter breaking up with her, telling her that she didn't need her to pretend anymore. That was one of the most powerful off-camera dialogues I ever did. I actually felt emotional. I remember feeling like I wanted to well up. I remember my voice cracking because it was such, those words on that paper were so powerful and so distinctive. 
And it was wonderful to have somebody as amazing as Candy Alexander who appreciated it. And Candy Alexander was very gracious, very kind, very warm, but yet cold because she was playing Olivia Pope's non-caring mother. It was one of those experiences that you cannot get anywhere else. And I had it and got paid for it. I had similar experiences with Michael O'Neill, who you might know from Council of Dads. I did several phone calls with him, off-camera dialogue phone calls with him. And it was interesting because I basically worked with him for at least five, six hours straight one night. And then the very next week saw him on the set of Clemency. And he was like, hey, wait a minute, I know you, which is super cool for someone of that stature to actually recognize the, the people that they're working with, the talent that they're working with. But my most favorite, hands down most favorite off-camera dialogue day was when I had the opportunity to work on the crossover episode of How to Get Away with Murder, where Carrie Washington and Viola Davis were strategizing in a hotel room and they were watching a news broadcast. Carrie Washington and Viola Davis had to react to what they were seeing on the news as she was speaking. So I was the, the news broadcaster reading what they were reacting to. And I'm gonna go back for a second because what made this day even more special than the fact that I, a young woman from Virginia, sitting on an apple box, hiding in a corner, reading this dialogue while Viola Davis and Kerry Washington are acting and reacting to what I'm saying. What made this day even more special was the fact that the very night before, I was watching the 2018 Golden Globes. And during the red carpet, this stunning actress with black velvet, beautiful skin and a big kinky, wild, crazy afro graced the carpet wearing a black column dress, several chains, like multi-chains. She looked simplistic, authentic, just incredible. And I'm talking about Viola Davis. So just hours before, I saw Viola Davis claim her place in history as a beauty and style icon on television. Yes, she's had beautiful moments on red carpets before, and she has always been an attractive woman, a beautiful woman. And I have to say, unfortunately, despite the fact that she's just incredibly talented, so talented that they had to give her the first Outstanding Actress in a Drama Series Emmy back in 2015 because of how talented she is, because of the fact that they had to give her an Oscar for a role that she appeared on the screen and, and it was less than 10 minutes that she was on the screen. But her scene, less than 10 minutes on the screen, she stole the movie. And they had no choice but to give her an Oscar for that. This woman whose talent surpasses just reason. Of course, she has always been an attractive woman. However, people don't like to embrace the beauty of dark skin. So this woman, who is just an incredibly talented actress, 
and built her career on her talent, not her looks, not anything else, but her ability to act. She decided to break through all of the weeds and step on the red carpet in her most glamorous, authentic self. And it was the, the night before, and it was a Monday morning, I'm sure if it was the night before. So that's the morning where you get to set the earliest. So how in the world did she show up looking so fresh and so beautiful that morning to play her character on How to Get Away from Murder? I do not know. But I remember seeing her as she walked into the room. And of course I knew it was her show. And of course I had the sides. So I knew, you know, what was happening that day. But she walked into the room and I immediately just said to her, oh my God, you were so beautiful last night. And she turned and looked at me and smiled. And I said, no, you were stunning last night. And then she kind of angled her body towards me and took a few steps towards me. And I said, you looked so amazing. You were just so beautiful. And I was like, you're going to do that again, right? You're going to do that all the time. And she kind of looked stunned like, is she giving me style advice right now? And I was like, you're going to do that again. You're going to do that all the time, right? And then she paused a second and she was like, I, I don't know. And I said, you have to. And then I realized that I was telling her, Viola Davis, that she had to do something. She doesn't have to do anything. And then I paused and I pulled back a second and I said, well, you don't have to, but you should because you look so amazing. That's your look. That's your look. You need to keep that look. And I kind of feel like that I'm the one who inspired her to keep being ethnic and very authentic and embracing her big, beautiful, natural hair and the big, beautiful froze and the column dresses. I mean, I kind of think it was me. So that day anyway was special. Just seeing her the morning after the 2018 Golden Globes. And then, of course, being able to do the off-camera dialogue with them and having them directly act and interact off of what I was saying. And then to have her take one moment, this busy woman who carries a show had the weight of the world on her shoulders, had probably been up all night, to have her take one moment and say something to the effect of, and I can't quote directly, but something to the effect of, you're doing the right thing. You can take classes all day, but actually being in it and acting is what you're supposed to be doing. It was so gratifying. So my adventure in Shondaland it helps me to see the world that we all know can exist. The world of representation, not to fill boxes. We don't want to just fill boxes. We want who is the best and the most qualified for any part or any role or any job to have it. Don't give us anything. We're not asking you to give us anything. We want you to see us. Hey, if you like the show, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. Guys, subscribe, 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 please. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts, as well as Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find me, Susan Pinkney, at SUZQ90210. That's Sue ZQ. 
9210 on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're interested in advertising, uh, please do. You can contact Believe at Believe.com. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you always. Love you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.